right. So for anybody who's joining just now, sorry, I'm a little bit late, but uh, I wanted to do a couple of things. And uh, one of those was just to go over the numbers. So I'll share my screen here. All right. So uh, for folks who are tuning in, sorry about it. I originally made the stream for like 11 something and then I meant to make it for 3.30, but then I just got in here to get online. I noticed that it was made at 3 p.m. So sorry about that. Um, folks, feel free to comment. You can comment about uh, anything. You can comment about anything that is related to Mormon Discussion Incorporated. Uh, ask any questions that you want. I'm really sorry about uh, being a little late to the stream here. I had to delete it and then recreate it. So if you got disconnected, it wasn't that that wasn't what really happened. Uh, it was that I created the wrong time and that made it so I couldn't go on to any of the Facebook streams. Uh, just FYI, I didn't listen to any of general conference. Uh, I, I should, that's not, that's not true. I listened to a couple days later, I listened to about 40 seconds of elder Oaks talk um, just to see if everything there was, uh, as complicated and messy, I guess, and, and negative as people had said. But I didn't spend any time listening to General Conference. I just, I'm not in a place where I really care to do that. I know that people will report back on which talks were hurtful and harmful. And I've got a bit of a cough today. I've got a bunch of cough drops, so I'm really sorry for the coughing as it happens because I'm getting ready to do it. I'll try to mute it when I do. So anyway, we're back on. Um, I wanted to go over the missionary numbers for uh, their statistical report. Um, and again, feel free to ask anything about the podcast entity. We're really proud of what we're doing. Uh, we have got now 11 podcasts under us. If you're if you're not listening to Almost Awakened, I highly recommend it. If you're not listening to Emancipate Your Mind, I highly recommend it. Uh, that goes along with um, uh, Mormonism Live, Radio Free Mormon, Mormon Discussion Incorporated, which we only put kind of a podcast out every once in a while, even though that was the original podcast. And uh, folks, uh, there are lots of other new ones that are with us as well. Uh, Wherewillyougo.net, um, Dissident Daughters, uh, Rami Umptum Ruminations with, uh, with Scott. Uh, he'll have something hit in the next couple of days where I just uh, did a conversation with him where we talked at length about the issue with free will that Kara came on to Mormonism Live to talk about. But the reason you're here today is to talk about missionary numbers. And so you see up on the screen, I went back all the way to 1990. And the 80s and 90s, they were beautiful for Mormonism. You had Bruce R. McConkie and Joseph Fielding Smith Mormonism just thriving. The internet's not really available quite yet. And, and even when it is, it's the internet's just a shell of itself until maybe 97, 98, kind of in that range. And so you see up on my screen, I just created a, a Google Sheets of, of this stuff. And I went back to 90 and you can see there were 43,651. I went back to 1980 as well, and there's 30 something thousand. So there's good, consistent, steady growth um, into the 90s. So you got 90s, you know, not, not much of a change there. 300 missionaries, 3,000 missionaries in, the, in 92 uh, more. But you can see it, it's kind of steadily inclining. And then kind of the early 90s, it kind of plateaus off. But again, starts to pick up again. And uh, they get all the way up to 61,638 missionaries. Uh, 
uh, actually the year before 60,850 and then 61,638. So 2002 is kind of this high. And I remember this moment, I'm in my ward in Sandusky, Ohio, and I remember all of this rhetoric around the bar has been raised. The the church wasn't uh, happy enough with uh, the quality of missionaries, and it was a big deal. And so the church had raised the bar, it created the standard to be higher so that folks uh, would get a higher quality of missionary in their area. I feel great, but just suddenly in the last half hour or so, I developed a cough, so sorry about that. And um, when that bar was raised, it, you know, it, it affected some of 2003, not much. I'm sorry, 2002. It affected some of 2003 there. You can see that. But then it drops back down to 51,067 missionaries in 2004. And it seems like probably that year is the year the church really got good at saying, like, look, the bar's raised. There's no exceptions. Here's what we're doing. And so they went from this 61,000 down to 51,000 in two years. So they lost, you know, roughly whatever that is, a 17% of, uh, of the missionary force. and it. But again, it steadily climbs for a couple of years, but then it just kind of plateaus. And uh, and you can see all the way through 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, I mean, it's, you know, you got this drop off a little bit. You kind of get some back, but it's not quite as high as two years before. And uh, 2011, 2012, and then in October of 2012 is when the age change uh, happens. And the age change, again, I don't understand how the church messed this up. I, I don't know how they were so bad at math and so insulated from just common sense. In that, hopefully you noticed this too, but when they lowered the missionary age in 2012, you have all the missionaries who are out at the older age. And, and I'm not doing the Elder Holland thing where I move forward, but you have all the missionaries out at a certain age. And then you have... Uh, the younger group that's going to go out another year, two, three, right behind them, and they get to go. And so you have two different age groups who are essentially serving uh, at the same time. By the way, I'm sure I missed some of our podcast as well. I, I don't mean any offense to any of them. Uh, I'm really proud of all of them. They're they're just all putting out great content. Backyard Professor is another one. Um, they're just putting out great content. Um, but uh, you had these two age groups out at the same time and you and I understood that those two age groups can't be out forever. Like at some point now the new standard happens and we're back to one grouping of youth going on missions. So the church has this maybe three year period where it can kind of capitalize the age change to one degree or another. <clears throat> and so 2012, the age change it affects a little bit at the end of 2012. So you see this jump from 55 to 58, uh, almost 59. That's because that last three months of the year, a bunch of 18-year-olds were able to go on missions and 19-year-old women. And uh, and then 2013, they really get to uh, capitalize on this, this age change thing happening. So they get to 83,000. 2014, they get to 85,000. And... I don't get it. Elder Holland in 2015 uh, thinks that the church is going to get to 100,000 missionaries. And if you go back to my Facebook post at the time, I was adamant that's not going to happen because I it, it's just common sense to anybody who has a basic understanding of, uh, you know, 
middle school math, you can recognize that these two groups going out at the same time was going to come to an end. And so I even at the time said, Older Hollands, just this isn't going to work out for you. Uh, these numbers are going to go down and they're going to go down pretty close to right now when you're saying this. Excuse me. And uh, you can see that's exactly what happened. So they get up to 85,000 missionaries back down to 74. And by this point, as soon as I saw the 74, I knew it. I knew it was not good. There's some other general authority uh, who, who also noted that we're at 74,000. It's going to stay pretty steady there, and it'll just uh, increase a little bit over time. And he was also, um, no offense, but thumbs up the rock because basic math, again, says that you're going to get back down to one set of missionaries going. Rather than capitalizing on two age groups, you're going to capitalize on just one age group again. And so you're going to return back to the same numbers of missionaries that you had. Now, remember, every year in general conference, the church is continually suggesting to you that it's growing. 12 million, now we're 13 million, now we're 14 million, now we're 15 million, now we're 16 million. And I think we're, they got it claimed up to about 16, uh, nine or something at this point, almost 17 million members. But the greatest indicator of whether the church is strong, whether it's thriving, is its missionary force. And so as long, and again, this is the caveat, I, I can't promise you the church is going to be honest about its missionary force. But if the church is honest about its missionary force, you will know both the general, generally the number of mem members, whether it's going up or down. Again, they could also change the way we understand and look at the data about missionaries. For instance, they could uh, start counting them differently. Let's count service missionaries as well. Let's count this as well. Let's uh, allow women to go out a year earlier, which would give it a bump again. Um, regardless, if they don't change the standard by which we look at the data, we will um, easily be able to see these numbers and notice the missionary force going up or down. If the missionary force goes down, there's two things we can assume or look at or think about, and they're going to be in relationship with each other, and it could be more of one or more of the other, but almost certainly is a combination of the two. And that is the uh, whether the church is growing or declining in terms of active members, and whether the members that are active, whether they're enthused about their faith. And if the missionary force keeps going down, which is what we're going to talk about here in a moment, that trend, we are um, we're going to recognize that a the membership is probably declining, and or the enthusiasm of the membership is declining. And I think missionary uh, uh, missionary serving at any given moment is to be the greatest indicator. Again, assuming the church is going to continue to be honest about these, because I think at least these numbers are honest. And we'll get to some other numbers that I don't think are. Um, it, if that number continues to go down, you just know, like, if, if, we're, if we're at one time at uh, 55,000 missionaries in 2011, and then this year we are below that. So just uh, as the age uh, change is happening, there are 55,000 missionaries. They changed the age. Now we're back down to only having one age group out, one age um, conglomerate of members out on missions. And now we're lower than that number. So it, we are less than the age change. And last year was 51,000. I expected 
it to be much lower because of COVID. And uh, my gut tells me if COVID had not have happened, the church would have been somewhere around 60,000. I think they're losing at this point um, roughly 5,000 missionaries per year. That's my hunch. And if my hunch is right, we're going to see the numbers go below 50,000 this coming year. And if it gets down to 49,000, again, we have to go all the way back up to 1995 um, before you see missionary numbers that low. Now, 2021 was also sort of affected by COVID. And so I could be way wrong. The numbers could go up. What I don't think will happen is I don't think you'll see the numbers go to as high as 2018 and 2019. And once COVID is no longer an excuse for whether people are serving missions or not, that will give us a much more accurate telling. But at least at present, the age lowering in 2012, they get up to 85,000. The year Elder Holland predicted 100,000 missionaries was 2015. It went down to 74. Again, any uh, mediocre mathematician would have just understood that how that had gone so high and why it couldn't stay there. Um, down to 70 in 2016, down to 67,000 in 2017. There's no COVID affecting those numbers. It's just that we're getting back down to one grouping of young people going on missions rather than two. 2018, 65. And by the way, you did the age change in 2012. By the time you get to 2017, maybe even 2016, that age change would have no more real effect on um, on uh, the numbers um, because those folks in 2012, within the next two years, they would have gone early and then they would have been out for two years. And so at most, you're talking four years of time. So 2017, 67, 2018, 65, 2019, 67. Uh, 2020, 51, 8, and 2021, 54, 5. And I'm, I'm, I have a hunch that very few missionaries didn't end up going. Potential missionaries didn't go because of COVID in 2021. But, but I'm sure there are some uh, people who had compromised immune systems. Um, it, it, because by the time we get to 2021, most of these standards had lessened enough that missionaries could go out and serve. And so I don't think the numbers are affected that much. Over time, it's going to be really interesting. 2022 is going to be really big, I think, to see to see all this, um, to see how many missionaries are going. And, and yes, the 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 war slash conflict. And, and again, I don't want to get political, and I I'm just don't want to delve into that during this conversation. So uh, that whole thing going on may impact some of this, just because some places aren't safe to go. The world is a little fragile at the moment. Um, so people may decide to do something different, but again, uh, I think COVID hurt the church with people staying home. And I think, uh, the internet is hurting the church as well. So there's the numbers 43, six, uh, again, up to about 61, raised the standards, went down into the fifties, hung around there until they did the name or the, uh, age change, got them up into the eighties, but now we're back down to numbers that are lower than, uh, having to go all the way back to 19, what is it, 96, 97. Um, 
And so you can at least guess that the church has as much vibrancy among its active membership as it did in 1996. Um, that's what's happening. Uh, numbers aren't significant. As the church claims this big growth over decades, the actual number of missionaries who are going, and again, you cannot count, you cannot count uh, the age change years. You can't count those um, because there's two groups of people going again. So as you begin to see like, yes, there there's some some growth from year to year, especially over the long run, but we are now in a decline. And my hunch is we will see less than 54,539 next year if, again, if they tell the truth. All right, let's move on to the other membership thing uh, that was in here. And by the time, when, when we get all done, I'll go back through the comments here really quick and just answer any questions that you guys have got, if you have any. I have a, I'm a one-track mind. I have a really difficult time staying with my mind on the data and also watching the comments and trying to sort things out there. But I promise at the end, we'll go back through those. Um, and, and by the way, I'm grabbing this from, you can go back as far as you want to, uh, at least a, back to 1980. I didn't go any further back than that, but at least to 1980, every general conference, the church releases, releases its membership statistics. About four years ago, maybe five years ago, four or five years ago, they made a change where they said, we are no longer going to announce the, the statistics in conference. And instead we will release them at the time of conference. I expect that that happened because they, there are people on the side who know that the time of growing is done and they didn't want, they wanted to end the pattern of telling members about whether it was growing or not in general conference before things started to go south. Uh, Quentin Cook said the church has never been stronger. You've got multiple leaders of the church in the past few years who have claimed there aren't that many resignations. And uh, I was hoping that uh, Mark, I think it's Nagel or Nagel from Quit Mormon uh, would have gotten back to me. I'm just going to check my email really quick and just see if he did. Um, but I reached out to him to see how many resignations Quit Mormon had in 2021 and uh we'll see here i don't i don't have an answer back from him uh if anybody knows him personally if you can send him a text or something i'd love to know the number of resignations in 2021 it would help us with our math but you can go back and look at the statistical reports for every general conference they're always said in april or shared at april uh, at least till now my expectation by the way is sometime in the next three to four years, the church will stop sharing uh, its membership statistics um, because we're beginning to see decline, um, at least in some of the numbers, and the numbers don't add up. And we're going to go into that today so you understand the math. So 2020 statistical report for April 2021, that's the one that just got released. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the last year's, the year before. And then uh, the 2021 statistical report just shared this recent general conference. And the numbers that we're looking at is the total membership. So for instance, you'll see my math here on the next page, but we're going to start with the total they shared a year ago, 16,663,663. And they tell you how many members they added to the roles. New children of record. So these are children who had baby blessings in 2020. 
Uh, and this number actually is not important to us. We're actually going to go to the other report. So this was the total at the end of uh, 2020, 16,663,663. Then we're going to look at the children of record that were added in 2021. Uh, that's 89,069. So you saw these numbers bump back up a little bit from COVID. Um, but again, I think uh, and we'll pull this up. And I'm going to ramble a little bit. It's just the way my brain works. I'm really sorry. Uh, but we're going to pull up 2019 LDS membership stats. Let's see what happens here. Um, Twenty. And 21. So this is before COVID, uh, 94,248,000. And so I don't want to count 2020 because that's the year COVID occurred. And so we kind of knew that the numbers would be much lower. But where is the church at in comparison to the year before in 2019? 89 and 168. We went from 248,000 converts almost 249,000 in 2019 to two years later, 168,283. You can't even fathom the difference that that is. That, that, that's enormous. Um, it is huge. And the church needs to understand this as its missionary force declines, its converts decline. Um, as its enthusiasm of membership declines, its membership declines. And I know there are folks out there who want to see the church uh, burn it, you know, burn down. The reality is Mormonism has so much money. It's bought so much land. It's bought land. If you saw Lindsay, I think it's Lindsay Hanson Park who put this out. It, it, and I know I've saw it in the last couple of days on Facebook, but the church has bought land where mineral reserves are, where where mining uh, deposits are. Uh, the church is equipped itself to essentially almost be a world power, uh, except for the fact that it's not going to have the numbers to do so. And so I don't know what the church's end goal is, and if it really is trying to build a, a prepare the planet for Jesus, it's that's not going to go well because I don't think he's coming back. Um, but the number of converts drastically dropping off. I mean, again, this is the lifeblood of the church. Um, missionary numbers are going down. Uh, children of record, 89,069. That's not significantly less. The number of children getting blessings is comparable uh, to 2019 but its converts is significantly reduced. And so it will be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next few years. Anyway, uh, going back to, I'm going to, I'm going to delete this, or at least I'll move it out of the way here. Um, what we're looking for is the growth. These two numbers right there are the growth uh, of the church. They're telling you that. So if you take that number of those two things added together, and you add it to the year before's end of year total. Now, the difference between that grand total and what the church says it's arrived at tells you what the missing number is. And that missing number is everyone who resigned, uh, excommunicated in any way, shape, or form. They Their membership came off the rolls 
either by their choice or by the church's choice, or they died. And so going back here to the math, so you got total membership at the end of 2020, 16,663,663. Children of record added in 2021, there's that 89,000. Convert baptisms, 2021, uh, there's that 168,283. And then you've got that grand subtotal there. So that comes out to 16,921,15. And what they tell us they ended up with, so again, this number right here, what they tell us they ended up with is that number right there. And so again, what, what we need to subtract from this number to get that number is 115,615 people. This is a combination of deaths and some sort of member membership withdrawal, resignations, excommunications. There may be some other thing. I can't think of anything else, but um, there may be some other thing out there that has you come off the rolls. But as far as I know, resignation and excommunication are the only two that I could think of. And they say X is 115,615. They're not really telling you, but because it's the only number missing, we can deduct easily that that's the number. So they're telling you that 115,615 people came off the rolls. The problem is that number doesn't even account for those who died over the course of a year. Uh, 2020 and 20, I couldn't find 2021, but even if you go back to 2019, 2018, the world death rate, the U.S. death rate, and the Utah death rate were all extremely comparable. They were in the uh, 730 to like 760, 730 people, 760 people per 100,000 died every year. And uh, so it, you can deduct from that what the expected number of deaths would be. 2020 and 2021 were still affected by COVID. The death rate has been significantly higher, but not so significant that it would explain our numbers. It just doesn't. So the, uh, again, the death rate in uh, 2020 was 835.4 per 100,000. And that alone would account, and again, you can give or take 10,000, but my hunch is based on whatever math experience I have, um, that we're probably pretty close to the number. This would be the expected deaths for the year. And uh, again, I'm using 2020's death rate. You're welcome to go back to 2019 if you want. It still doesn't solve our problem. Um, maybe we're 10,000 lower than this. So let's even say that's 129. The number they tell us is 115,615. And so they're not even accounting for all the folks who died in the course of the year. Now, we, we know that. Two-thirds of the church are inactives, and two-thirds of the church doesn't stay in contact with the church. And so unless you have a good ward clerk, our ward clerk back in Ohio, uh, by the way, James B. is saying, but Bill, let's just put this up on the screen. But Bill, you forgot the blessing of obeying the word of wisdom and the promise of long life. That is why the death rate is so low for Mormons. Actually, if you uh, look at the Mormon death rate, it's not much different, and it doesn't solve the problem either. 
And so James is welcome to think that that solves it, but it really doesn't. Um, Mormons live an average of another year or two and maybe three years longer than the rest of the population on average. Um, but Mormons live longer and shorter than various people in various places. They just live slightly longer than the than the average in the United States total. Um, and you say you're kidding or you're joking. No biggie. I just want to make sure that because some people do say that. That's the reason. By the way, just a little note, this idea that Mormons you know, have access to priesthood power, you can go look at the health statistics of Utah and it's not any better or worse. Like it's better in one area and then it's worse in another. If priesthood power was real, you would expect God to be willing to heal all kinds of illnesses. And hence Utah should be expected to have much better health statistics in those issues, but they don't because priesthood isn't real. Um, and that's why it doesn't work. So the average number of deaths per year is higher than the number they're showing as having they've, they've, they've lost in their membership. Uh, that doesn't even count resignations and excommunications. And I know in years past, Quit Mormon uh, had, I think, about twenty to 30,000 uh, resignations happening. Uh, so I would have to check and see if, if that's still the case. Um, and again, we'll go back through the comments and see if anybody's got any information from Mark. Um, but you can just see that they're not tracking stuff very well. They don't really have a good system to keep track of things. And where they don't keep track, let's assume they aren't keeping track of at least a third and maybe two thirds, up to somewhere between a third and two thirds of the deaths in their membership. They just don't know where those people are. They don't know that they died. They don't have any way to catch it. Remember, they're going to track those people until they're 120 years old. So if somebody dies at the age of 70, the church is counting them for another 50 years. That to me is absolutely insane, but that's what Mormonism does. Mormonism also focuses on sharing its total membership because it doesn't want to be evaluated based on its active membership. There are reasons for that, and you can probably guess them. So I simply want to jump in today and just show you these numbers. Uh, if anybody thinks my math is bad, I, I welcome any corrections, uh, but but that's where we're at. The church isn't growing anymore. It's it's shrinking. And... Um, we can, we can tell that because we're missing a ton of deaths. We are, I don't think they're counting resignations or if they are, I don't, I don't know what their deal is, but their numbers just don't seem very close to what seems like is happening. And um, so we don't really, you know, sometimes we just don't have a way to really get at it. They're not public about all this information. They give you little tidbits and we don't know how they qualify and quantify uh, the information they do share. But there's that. And uh, so again, missionary numbers, we're now back into the 50s. Uh, again, 2022 will be interesting to see if we get a little higher than this or whether we're down to 52,000, 51,000. And you can tell right by these numbers, as long as they keep sharing them, whether the church is growing or not. And the number membership numbers they give every year in terms of their total, it is highly inflated. It's missing... Every year, it is missing a third to two-thirds of the deaths, and those people keep getting counted year after year. So they're getting compounded. Um, this year, it wasn't just the deaths from last year that got counted as being alive. It was the year before, 
and the year before and the year before for up to like 50 years. Again, if somebody lived to be 70, if the person died at 25 and they moved and the church never relocated, uh, located them again where they were, the church is still counting them from 25 years old to 120. And so you can only imagine the number of people who are dead, who are just sitting on the rolls every year being counted. Um, we also know that resignations are happening and they're not small, they're significant. Um, I would say at a minimum, we're talking around 20,000 people a year are resigning. They're also not counting the people who are adamant, like their testimony is gone. They have lost their testimony. They do not believe Mormonism is true. They are adamant that Mormonism is not true. They'll never join the church again. They don't self-label uh, themselves as Mormon, but they don't resign. And the church just keeps counting them too. And so um, it will be quite interesting. By the way, when the numbers continually are going up, the people who have died that keep getting counted, it you can kind of keep hiding it a little bit because your numbers are going up. If you experience decline for a decade straight, you can't hide those numbers anymore because the year 50 years ago when someone died and they just reached 120 next year, they're going to fall off. And so every year, a certain number of people are falling off. But as you decline, it's the years behind you that have more deaths, not the years in front of you. And so you end up having to kind of uh, show, if they, again, if they track their stats the same way, you're going to have to show that you're declining because you're going to have to pull those deaths off. And there aren't as many people dying this year that you're continuing to, continuing to count that can kind of soften that the way it looks. So anyway, uh, let me jump back up into the comments. And by the way, I'll just say a couple other things. Let me cough again. Donations are, <clears throat> donations are about comparable to last year. Um, FYI. Mormonism Live donations are significantly down. Almost Awakened donations are up. They're up. Uh, considerably, although not as much as Mormonism Live is down. These new podcasts are beginning to bring in a little bit, but Radio uh, Free Mormon, his podcast is still doing quite well in terms of donations. Uh, but again, Mormonism Live is down, and Mormon discussion, the entity is down. Uh, folks, if you find value in what we do, first off, let me say to those who do donate, thank you. It means a lot to us. It allows us to do what we do. I've been able to reduce my regular work schedule so that I can be home managing the entity and helping to create more content, which you're seeing all over the place. And um, uh, Radio Free Mormon has also been able to step back a little bit and to focus on producing content. So we really do depend on you, and that's the way this works. Um, so if you folks want us to go decades into the future, we don't need much if folks here could just donate three or four or five bucks a month, five bucks a month. Send us an annual $60 donation. Make it a recurring donation so you don't have to think about it and uh, throw a few dollars our way. And our plan, uh, I'm I'm energized. I'm I'm excited. Our plan is for the deep foreseeable future to produce uh, content that helps people make informed decisions about Mormonism. Um, I don't have a PO box, 
but I'll give out my address. You can, you can send me um, a, a donation. It's 90 South Nielsen Drive, N-I-E-L-S-O-N Drive, Washington, Utah, 84780. Uh, one-time donations are great, but if I can, if I can somehow get you to make a recurring donation of just a few bucks a month or 50 bucks a year or whatever it is, it would go a long way. Um, we, we really need to make sure that we're viable and uh, for, for long-term. Go back to the comments. Uh, let's play a few of those. Again, I didn't need this to be super long. I just wanted to touch base with you guys. Um, people are talking about how boring difference is. 17 new temples. Um, 17 new temples and one they announced is Cleveland, Ohio. And that's where I'm from. That's the, my stake that I was from. Uh, I lived an hour uh, west of Cleveland in Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, I, I can't fathom for the life of me that they're going to have enough manpower to man all these new temples that haven't even been built yet. And so the day is coming when I think they're going to have to figure out a different use for these buildings or sell them. And you see ward buildings for sale all over the place. If a Utah temple goes up for sale, um, my plan is to put together a GoFundMe where we can, as a community band together and um, it would be fun to at least see what, if we could pull it off, but to purchase one of those things and make it a post-Mormon bed and breakfast, which I think would be uh, hilarious. Uh, so I'm half joking and I'm half serious. Uh, but anyway, there's that. Uh, let's see here. Bruce thinks President Oak's talk was really good. Yeah, he's got a very low bar. It's one of the cool things too, by the way. Soon as you no longer trust your tribe's authorities as being the, the best of the best in terms of wisdom and inspiration and uplifting ideas and thoughts, the moment you go looking outside your system, you, I was, you become kind of surprised that there is so much wisdom outside of your system. There's so much wisdom there. And when I left Mormonism, listening to Brene Brown and uh, Richard Rohr and Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, which some people don't agree with, but I think on some issues, he's brilliant. Uh, Nadia Boltz Weber. Um, just, there's just so many. Uh, Ram Doss, uh, Alan Watts. Um, just so many smart people out there that you look back and you go like, yeah, we had Terrell Gibbons. There's nothing there. Uh, you know, we had uh, Thomas Monson. There's just nothing there. It's empty. And yet when you're inside, you have that lens. You, you don't even have a clue that you're drinking from the shallow pool. You don't even know it. Um, I don't think the age decrease, there's a comment from Thomas Smith. I don't think the age decrease was designed to get higher numbers, but to hoping to lock in young people who were drifting away from the church that year, following high school graduation, playing a long game. It should be noted, Thomas, great comment, by the way. 
I don't think that worked out for them. And, and here's why. Even in these missionary numbers they're sharing where they say that 54,000 missionaries served, what they're not telling us is that a significant number of them, 15% or so, it might be higher, 15% or so are going home significantly early. Um, when you have younger people go out, those younger people are less mature. They're less equipped to deal with the stress and the loneliness from family that comes with being on a mission. And so the younger you have people go, the more uh, other things that are kind of breaking down that, that young person you have to deal with. And so I don't think this worked very well for them. I am guessing that if they're going to talk about like, hey, let's measure the the future vibrancy of this group, my hunch is that it's not uh, it's not as high as they had hoped it would be and probably significantly lower than if they had just left the age alone. Here's the thought, Cherish says, instead of building more useful temples, why not use that money to sponsor missionaries on their missions? Why should they have to pay? Um, by making missionaries invest in the mission, you're more likely to take it seriously. That's true. Um, but also it, when someone loses their testimony later, there's going to be a lot more resentment as well. Like, it's just like Scientology. Like you make nothing, you pay to, to perpetuate, uh, their virus. And they don't care how much harm or trauma the carriers of the virus take on so long as you perpetuate the virus, so long as you pass it on to someone else, whether it be a convert or whether it be your children and your grandchildren. So there's that. Uh, stronger in terms of money, sure. The church is a juggernaut when it comes to buying anything in this world with money. Yeah, the church has plenty of money. Um, Michael's making note that the church released more detailed country-by-country country stats today. Uh, I That'll be interesting to take a look at. As soon as I get off here, I'll take a peek. Uh, notice, by the way, big theme of conference was centered around missionary work. Great point, Nate. Uh, the church is knows that it's losing its missionaries. It is now going into um, rescue mode, trying to uh, kind of panic and figure out how it pressures people to go back on a mission. And so you're seeing all these talks center around missions, just like they say there's not a faith crisis problem. But at this point, almost 80% of the talks that go on in these regional meetings are about faith crises. And so if the if faith crises were just the tiniest little dot on the on the radar, they would just move on to talking about four generation charts. But they don't because they have a problem. So while they tell you they don't have a problem, when you when you base uh what is most assuredly weighing them down by the topics they give talks on, faith crises are near the top of the list, if not the top issue. Uh, somebody here says COVID is largely responsible for the decrease in converts, though. Let's be consistent and not be like Holland on the stats. We'll see. Uh, again, I'll we'll wait till next year 
or the year after, and uh, we'll see what those stats look like. Uh, the church could bounce right back up, and maybe it doesn't. Um, and if it doesn't, then we've all got to come to grips that this church is in decline and uh, is is people are leaving, and they're not leaving in just small numbers. Um, when I was in the, my ward and in my stake a decade ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I knew one guy in my ward who read things on the internet and left the church because he didn't believe it was true anymore. Today, every member knows lots of people, people in their ward, people in their family, uh, people at their work who have left the church. And it is all around you. And I simply don't trust the church to be active about its numbers. And so, Jason, you could be right, uh, and you might be wrong. Um, you said, how do I read and talk at the same time? I don't have, uh, I don't. I've got a one-track mind, and I cannot do two things at once. I do not multitask well. Um, so I've got to kind of just uh, zero in and take in a few of these things. Um, if they actually let missionaries decide for themselves without any indoctrination or coercion, it would be very interesting to see how many youth actually go. Yeah. If you took out all of the behavior control mechanisms and all the other parts of the bite model, and you created a healthy Mormonism, Mormonism wouldn't thrive in that environment. It simply wouldn't. That's, that's not how high demand fundamentalist religions work. Their ability to thrive depends on the gullibility and the vulnerability of its membership. Uh, churches in a real estate business, uh, Black Priesthood says, yep, totally agree with that. Uh, it's his opinion the church will soon start counting baptisms for the dead as growth. I, I think you're joking, but uh, nothing would surprise me at this point, although I would hope that wouldn't be the case. Again, you can mail a donation, uh, 90 South Nielsen Drive, Washington, Utah, uh, 84780. And you just simply would want to uh, address it as to Mormon Discussion Incorporated. And, uh, and then we would track it that way. Uh, Kat says, so I have to save up cash and then have a friend write a check. In secret, no less, but a donation will be on the way tomorrow. I love your podcast. They've been so helpful. Uh, Nate says, I ran the numbers, and the ratio of members to units have jumped from around five, 450 to 530. Good good point, Nate. What that tells you is that to get to keep the active membership relatively the same so that you can get things done in a ward, our ward in Ohio had about 115 to 140 active members at any given moment. I would suspect that, you know, Utah, for instance, is much greater, maybe 200, 220 or so active members per unit. But out in the Midwest, on average, you're somewhere between 115, I think, to about 150 or so people. And you need, you need all of those 115 to be able to have all the callings in place to be able to get the work done that a ward tries to do during the course of a year. 
And um, what the church is telling you is that it used to need about 450 people in a ward to get that much of a workforce, that many people on the rolls in order to have 115 to 150 people in a ward to do the work. And now they need 530 people on the rolls in order to have enough people there to do the work. And so I would expect you see that number grow as well, in spite of Quentin Cook saying that the the church is as strong as ever and, and that many people aren't leaving. Property is a great way to money launder. That's true. Somebody wants us to cover the many chapels being sold. Uh, we may do something at some point. I wouldn't even be aware of all of them. We could pull up three or four listings at any given moment. Excuse me, but we wouldn't be able to track all the ones that have sold previously. Uh, Faith crisis equals retention. Not exactly, but yes. Bill, I'd love for you to take a look at the woman's session, Elder Renlund's talk. He talked about Heavenly Mother and made a very veiled reference to the gospel topic essay on it. Uh, I'll do that. As soon as everything comes out in text, I can go and kind of do word searches in these talks. And uh, I just don't want to spend my my life listening to them. Those men no longer have any power over me. Uh, my joy now comes in helping you guys have information and be able to make informed decisions, whether you stay or whether you leave. And I think knowing the mess, knowing how unlikely it is that Mormonism is true, knowing how to think critically and being able to take in all of this data and go like, hey, what's the most rational conclusion? And then if people stay or go at that point, I don't care. Um, so anyway. No, no, Bill. I don't know what Scott's uh, speaking about, but I'm happy to to address it if he wants to put it at, in a comment. But you're going to have to reference, Scott, that you said no, no, Bill, because otherwise I'll just see it as another comment unconnected to something else. And uh, retention used to be a catchphrase for faith. Yeah. Yeah. Except that you go back 10 years ago and I don't think that many people were leaving over the discovering the church wasn't true. It was a large group of people on the rolls who were just not interested. You know, you would teach an investigator, baptize them. And within a month, they just weren't active anymore because Mormonism wasn't interesting anymore. They had moved on. Um, but in the last decade, 15 years, you become uh, deeply aware of the membership uh, leaving, significant portions of membership leaving because they have discovered the church is not what it claimed to be. And so people are going. Uh, so anyway, uh, just a little short one here today. Hope you guys are having a great day and uh, hope you have a great week. And don't forget to tune in to Mormonism Live tonight. And uh, let's just keep watching year after year, and uh, we will see if these numbers continue to go down. Jason just said, I've heard there is a two-down initiative to reactivate all of us heathens in the past few months. Have you heard of this, Bill? No, I have not. Uh, and to those saying thank you and love you, uh, you are very welcome. Uh, this is my life's passion is to help people deconstruct religion, help them have the tools and resources necessary to do that uh, positively, um, to be able to help you process 
the trauma that you've experienced. I think that uh, Terry Hales and the Emancipate Your Mind podcast is doing fantastic at that and leading the way. And uh, we want to, uh, through things like the Almost Awakened podcast, help you really lean into the life you can build and not to look back and have so much regret over what you missed out on, um, but to help you kind of capture the beautiful world that is out there once you let go of the lens of Mormonism and you can sense just how much of a big, beautiful world there is and how to make your life happier and more joyous. Uh, For everybody else that's saying things, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Uh, Bill, you're awesome. You and RFM are such a great combo. I look forward to my Wednesdays more than ever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Sherry. And uh, Bill and RFM are my heroes. Have a great day, guys. Uh, really like each of you. If you're ever in Southern Utah, you want to go get lunch, you want to go grab uh, a bite, you want to come hang out with me at my house, you want to sit in my hot tub, we can just uh, shoot the shit for a while. Uh, I welcome it. I, I really want to be at your disposal and uh, um, hope that us as a nonprofit can really be supportive of you guys, not just through podcast, but through local meetups we do here in Southern Utah by our traveling around from time to time. RFM's made several visits in the last year to places. Uh, I've gone a few places this last year. If you want uh, one of our podcasters to come uh, speak at an event or to, you want to put a workshop together, uh, you want to do any of those things, um, please uh, say something. Just reach out to us. Uh, You can reach out to them directly. We have, we as an entity are only taking in the donations to the podcast. We allow each of the podcasters to do their own coaching or workshops or speaking engagements and for that to be completely separate from us. So you can reach out to them separately or you can email us at Mormon Discussions Podcast at gmail.com and we'll help coordinate that. But whatever amount they arrive at to make it worth their time to go to you and to to do that, they would keep all of that. The negative is that it wouldn't be a donation. And so we can do it both ways. You could donate to us and we could see that a significant portion of that gets to them. Or you can just work out with them directly, but know that the amount would not be a donation. And uh, we just want to keep doing this. We're going to just keep producing content. Um, I'm not looking to take on any new podcasters at the moment. And I'll just show you guys, by the way. Uh, since you're all hanging around for another moment or two, pulling up our website. We're going to update this a little bit. I'm, I actually want something that's less Mormon up here and really focuses on religious deconstruction collectively. But these are the podcasts we've got. Mormon Discussions, which is the original one I started back in 2012. This episode today, will go under that, for instance. Radio Free Mormon, he's just been incredible. Almost Awakened, we've added Brittany Hartley uh, as the host recently. And uh, uh, Fred, oops, there, Fred, thank you very much for the 10 bucks. That means a lot to us. I appreciate it. Uh, Mormonism Live is great. Uh, Emancipate Your Mind with Terry Hales, Marriage on a Tightrope with Katie and Alan Mo. Uh, this is a podcast I did some years ago, and I add to it once in a great while. But I've had a lot of people come up to me and say this was the podcast that helped them step away from Mormonism. 
it really is about the psychological mechanisms inside religion. And we use Mormonism as the greatest example, but there are sound bites there from uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and from other uh, religious faiths. Uh, Rami Umptum Ruminations, that's Scott hosts that podcast. I think he's just doing brilliant work. Mythical Jesus, we'll pick this up at some time. Uh, I'm just a little too busy at the moment to do it, but I'm really proud of the work I put into that. It, it, it is a podcast that starts with the assumption that Jesus is a myth, but that we can still learn something from the stories around him. And I think you would find that the episodes there are very soft. They, they allow room for faith, but they try to tackle the story from a different perspective than what religionists generally do or what Christianity tr- attempts to do. The Backyard Professor with Carrie Shirts, he used to be an apologist of Fair Mormon. Uh, where will we go? Where will you go?.net. Uh, that's Marty who hosts that. Dissident Daughters, uh, that's Ada and Esther who host that one. And then the newest one we've added is She Became Visible, hosted by Renee Steelman. And we're still kind of in the beginning stages of getting some audio up on that site. The Mormon Primer and the Umbrella site. And so, folks, just uh, note, we're just doing a lot of stuff. And uh, tonight on Mormonism Live, we will have... um, Brent Metcalf and Dan Vogel back on, and they're going to share some very unique perspectives on the book of Abraham. And so I look forward to seeing all of you guys then and have an excellent day.